0: Welcome to Pray for Micah. And now your host, Micah
1: Chrisman. Welcome to the Pray for Micah podcast. Today, sponsored prayers are by Rayla and Pumbaa. That's my dog and my cat. I did that because they didn't know they were going to be today's sponsors, but we know my pretz are praying for me. (laughs) Because they're just like, hey, you can't start this podcast until you feed me. And so... And they were just, yeah. if I didn't feed them, they were going to terrorize the beads outside my door. Nick witnessed that. Today we have Nick Pickerel here. Oh. uh, I was telling him, I was like, I always get started on these things real hot and sweaty. So for those who are watching on the YouTube side, you can see how gross I am today. But that's just because, you know, New Year's Eve detoxing. (laughs) That's basically (laughs) what it is. (laughs) And, I mean, like, it's the coldest day of the year. Why should I be this sweaty? It's probably because I'm <laughs> detoxing from New Year's Eve. That's it. So, Nick's here to pray for me. Welcome, yes. Nick. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cheers. Micah. Mm. I say detoxing, and we're having some Moscow mules right now. So. Yeah,
0: it's the detox drink.
1: I mean, it's basically healthy, right? It's got, like, agave in it. It's, you know, oh, yeah, That's, yeah, like, yeah. healthy, yeah. healthy yeah. stuff, right? I mean,
0: that's that stuff is good.
1: Let me read your bio real quick. Oh. So, Nick Pickerel is an activist, pastor, and performer in Kansas City. He's the founder and organizer of The Open Table, a progressive Christian church in Midtown that seeks to be a place of peace and reconciliation in a city divided. In addition to serving as the organizer of The Open Table, he is the co-founder and administrator for The Open Table Anti-Racism Trainings. Whoop, whoop. I'm part of that. Hey, hey. Or at least, you know, when I feel like being a part of it, when I'm being a, a <laughs> piece of shit who's not not there for like a year, you know. Uh, we we can get into that. We Dude, he had some stuff. He had some stuff. Yeah, down. some family stuff, some farm stuff. But you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm gonna get back into it. But he's he's the you know orchestrator administrator for that board of chairs. Catholic Worker. Hey, hey, give a shout out to our Catholic Worker friends. Catholic Worker. And Nick has uh, over ten years of experience doing anti-poverty, anti-racism, and nonviolent communication work, and is in an active com- a number of local and peace and justice groups. He's married to Sarah. Yes. Uh Dune. It's it dune? It's it's done. 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 Sorry, done. Sarah. You could say Dune. <laughs> Sarah Dune. Sarah Dune. <laughs> I hope you listen to this Sarah. I- I apologize. I want to have her on the show too. You should. She's got to come on here. Yeah, I, yeah. If you were, I should have just had her first. Honestly, you Probably. She's the better. She's, she's the better. She's less. the better half. I yeah. just know it. Mm-hmm. That or then your dogs. Then probably you. It's probably. Yeah, it yeah, yeah.
0: I'm definitely the lowest <laughs> wrong. I mean, Sarah's one of those people where she meets my friends and then my friends like her more than me. And then I lose my friends to her. <laughs>
1: Oh man, I could totally see that. Yeah, but you can tell what the hell? Uh, no, no, <laughs> you one, could totally see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. How she just takes all, you know. Uh, everyone wants to be friends with her. I get it. Yeah, you know, she's just that cool. You know. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but Nick, you're a super cool guy, and that's why I have you here. Because yeah, you literally have been my pastor since like my kind of whole faith deconstruction journey has. I mean, I know you weren't my pastor, pastor. That wasn't your title at the open ta- at the open table, but. Um, as a person who's been an influence in my life, I'm going to honor you with a gift. Oh. And my Christmas gift to you is the Rayla and Pumbaa calendar, because that's how deep and sentimental our relationship goes. <laughs> Thank you so much. You don't get money. You don't get a sentimental card. You get pictures of my animals. Want, I want a calendar. For every day of the
0: year. Yeah, this good. Is, it, will, it will hang proudly on our fridge.
1: Let's start a new story is what it says. Oh. <laughs> It's, you know, one of those templates things. Thank you. you, you I love, online. I really love the cursive. That's yeah. There. That's really nice. Yeah. Show it for the camera. Yeah. It's yeah, right there. There's there's that one right there. I got that. So it's a, yeah, new calendar for the year. Mm. That's kind of a mm. new thing I started a year ago. It's like, hey, you know, I can't always get my friends the nicest gifts they deserve. So they'll get the gifts that I want to give them. Yeah. <laughs> the gifts that I find appealing. Seriously.
0: I mean, these pictures are glorious of, of Rayla and Pumba. Yeah. I mean, like. Look at that.
1: Just like different just... times throughout the year when I just capture a yeah. moment that's ideally like ties into the season. It's yeah. usually the goal. Oh, yeah. It's glorious. Mm. Oh. Mm, 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 mm. Well, that's great. Thank, thank you for you. receiving
0: my gift. It is, it is received. And I set it here.
1: Yeah. And happy new year, man. Same to you. Yeah. You got big... New Year's resolutions or oh
0: so many what are
1: they what do we call them now uh, lifestyle changes or I'm just setting intentions <laughs> Setting for intentions the year. do you have a color picked out? A I've color? got
0: I've got a color <laughs> the, the color is going to be beige
1: beige <laughs> <laughs> I always find it funny when like Google or them make up a color or whatever it is it's just like this is our color for the year it symbolizes this thing and just like yeah cool yeah. That's a thing that you can do, I guess. I did know somebody I used to work with. It was kind of cool. Her and her sisters would do something like that. They would pick a theme color for themselves, each uh, as siblings. And then kind of throughout the year when they'd have family gatherings, they'd kind of wear clothes that kind of match that color to kind of whatever, set their intention <laughs> so for the good. year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, I've, never, so yours is I've beige. never done that. Yeah, so beige. this
0: is the first time <laughs> I've ever done this. So beige is my color. Uh, it's my color for the year. <laughs> The so. color that we look like. The yes.
1: color. <laughs> Just, yep. A little pink, a little Just beige. Br- this is the
0: year that beige comes back. <laughs> hey,
1: baby, come back. Hey. Beige. Baby, come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, it's going to be a good year. I, it's, I tell people, like, I don't ever set new resolutions because it's always the same as last year's resolutions. I am in the same boat. <laughs> quit smoking, lose weight, write more, <laughs> be yep. healthier. Yep. And I do those things off and on and get better yeah. throughout the year. You, know, then... you got
0: to give yourself a little grace. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I just like to have fun. And sometimes when I think about setting resolutions, I'm just like, well, probably just, probably not going to do it. Right. <laughs> so, Why well, I said it. So I'm just like, I'm going to be me and I'm just going to, I'm going to grow up my pace and, uh, I will set the goal at some point in time. I've just never been a big goal setter. i have never like, I've never been like a five-year plan guy. I'm just like, a yep. Okay. I don't know. I guess I'll try this now. Like that's it. That's that's that your enneagram been. seven coming out. It is, it is. It is. Let's throw in some enneagram. I think. In I there. think really what it is is I don't want to be held accountable for things that I agree to do as a New Year's resolution. So I'm just like not making them.
1: <laughs> just yeah, we're just gonna skip past having to be like owning accountability for the thing. Yeah, that's it. Just, that's like, that's if it. I don't create the obligation. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's kind of what I tell myself. Like I already know what they are. The obligations are there, just stuffed tightly in my closet. Just don't. It's just, just, uh, it's still there for next year, you know? Oh, it'll be there. And I always feel like I do better when I'm, I don't know, springtime is usually when I like start to quote unquote work on my new year's goals. It's like, okay, it's March. I survived winter. <laughs> you I, did it. You made I it. it. I did it. I slugged through all that depression. Another year <laughs> just of <laughs> seasonal depression to Seasonal, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like I saw this meme that was like, yeah. Uh, is it seasonal depression or is it just masked? You know, it's like the Scooby Doo thing—pull off the mic. Oh no, it's just actual depression. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not depressed. For those who are worried about me, mm-hmm. but if you want to, you can pray for me. Pray yeah, for, let's pray. For, yeah, pray honestly. Be let's think about your friends who do go through a hard time during the winter. That's time. true. That's true. Yeah,
0: that's true. I'm always praying for you, Micah. Especially when the name of your podcast came out, I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> Let's just pray for Micah.
1: <laughs> you know, I uh, you know, my mom says she listens to the show, and so I, I got to give her a shout out because she's the one woman in my life who really does pray for me every day. oh, and uh, you know, and always good things. You know, always wanting you know, life, you know, goals for me, and praise for all of her kids. Truthfully, yeah. but she's like you. She like you named your show this kind of whole cheeky, tongue and cheek kind of thing, but I see it as prophetic. You know, and everyone's going to pray for you. and <laughs> We're all praying for you, Mike. I'm like. Hey, if that's if that's hey, what we want to do, you I'll know, yeah, like yeah. why well, we could all use some more prayer in our lives. Sure.
0: Also, I haven't seen your parents in a while, but
1: yeah, yeah, we, we like go, we since go high school. No, that's, that's actually that's probably <laughs> that's true. Probably. Since I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so Ned grew up in Blue Springs, Missouri, and my dad taught for a while in Blue Springs. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, was he ever your teacher? Or, you just went to this youth group. I don't
0: think so. Yeah, it was a youth group thing, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't because I was just kind of like going where all the kids were at. So it's just like okay, high school kids that I loved hanging out with were at this thing. So it's uh-huh. like I went and like that's where I I encountered like your parents and you and
1: and all that. Was uh what, what is it? Pla- was it Plaza Heights? Plaza Heights was where that's my right. dad was a pastor at. Right. Yep. That's right. And uh, then you were in the band Game Time and you are still in the band Game uh-huh. Time. I was taught we got uh-huh. we ju- just
0: started making music again. <laughs> you know
1: what? It's just Oh, tell how's that been going? What's what's that been like? Being part of the it's crew been fun. Again? It's yeah. been fun. Okay, I mean, truth <laughs> be told,
0: I have not listened to punk rock music since shortly after uh, not being in Game Time anymore. So it's been like, I mean, it's you know, we just started recording music again. It's the first time that Game Time has made music in like seventeen years. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And so we just started making music, and it's been a lot of fun. I don't think I realized how much I kind of <laughs> missed it because it's like. Yeah, it's just it's fast, it's fun, the the vocal melodies are great. Uh, the backup vocal stuff is a lot of fun. It's just cool to get to like hang out with those people again and and make that music. It's been, it's been fun.
1: Have you it's all been, been playing fun. some shows or you just been Mm-mm. kind of just jamming right now?
0: Just recording because we're not technically a full band again yet. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: so you weren't yeah. able to recall, get everyone back. Yeah. You didn't yeah. put the game time signal and everyone slept. Like, That's it. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> like, we did. yeah. What? I've been waiting for this moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> the uh-huh. punk rock hair just immediately kills back up. Look. Like, <laughs>
0: Dude, we could probably do it though because I'm thinking like, uh, what is it, that community Christian church on the plaza? Like if we can
1: just get some sort of decal on that thing. Oh, bro. Come on. Yeah. We'll find you a, sh- a venue. You guys can play yeah. a show. Yeah. We can do a house show spotlight. right here. Free to, spotlight. You want to do a house show in my house? It's a okay. little small, but. Done. Done. <laughs> done just <laughs> <laughs> let me get real here yeah right in the microphone nick was also complimenting on my mic so everybody just know that that's why i love and care about you my audience so i only yes. buy the best for you for for I my mean, guests listen to this quality listen to this listen to the sound of my voice walking you through your nightly therapy session mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Oh man, so game time, dude! And the, yeah, you do. You, did you tour? Am I wrong? Did you guys like play a show or do something with Reliant K? And kind of, we did.
0: Yeah. So I mean, a lot of what we did. So we worked part time jobs, saved up a bunch of money, quit those part time jobs because a lot of them would not let us come back after we worked part time and like, hey, we're going to be out for three months. Is that cool? Most places are like no. So uh, we would tour like maybe three to six months every year uh, during the three years I was in game time and you know, we got to play a warp tour. We would tour around all over the place. And in Kansas city and St. Louis, we got the chance to like open for Reliant K and, and Berlin, I think uh-huh. were the, the two bands that were on that bill. So we played like Beaumont club now char bar. And then we played, Oh, I'm forgetting the name of the venue. Cause it wasn't, it's not normally, it's not a normal venue that has shows. Um, but it's somewhere like in St. Louis. So we, we opened for them there. And that was by far like, I mean, I will say that's the most merch we ever sold. Was yeah. like those two shows were like, dang, all right, well, I'll take this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot so, of people waiting that.
1: Like, there was big shows. Yeah, like, yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So what's it been like kind of reengaging back into the music world? Because, I mean, you've been, you know, the coordinator for the Open Table. So you still kind of had your dabbling in music in the in that scene you know but it was more like you know for ministerial purposes but what's it been like just for fun just getting back with some of the crew
0: yeah it's been it's been good like i i, I love Kyle Devlin to death and uh, it's been fun to connect with Gabe again cuz i hadn't chatted with Gabe the drummer in oh, yeah, I ages okay. yeah so uh, i mean Kyle Devlin and i have probably kept up the most out of anybody in game time uh, so it was, it was fun when Kyle Devon, like kind of approached me being like, Hey, Hey, it's time. We should probably like record some stuff. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let's do it. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a blast to like reconnect and to engage in the creative process. Cause I, I've been in another band for like 10 years, 11 years now, yeah, probably like say, Achilles. Friend, yeah. But it's like that one, um, the trajectory of that band is I started out as kind of a co- like a collaborator at least like I you know I kind of would come up with my bass lines and would have some input but these days it's more like I'm a player in in the band mm-hmm. and David Bennett is the songwriter so um yeah so it's you know it has its pros and cons like I don't have a ton of time so it's nice to be able to just show up and say like hey play this hey sing this and then I just do it and then we're done So that's nice, but I do miss the creative stuff, the more creative stuff where we get to just kind of like bounce ideas off each other and come up with something. So that's why I've loved game time because it's re-engaging that part that I haven't gotten the chance to like tap into for a while. So it's good.
1: Hey, cheers to game time. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, can we Mm. check them out? Mm. Like might as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Spotify it, Spotify Spotify. it.
0: We've got uh, actually the... So we have two new songs that are out, and the third one is being released like next Friday.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, you're already recording Friday. and putting it out. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little. So I thought you were like recording got to like, a demo or. To, oh yeah, do no, no, no. Like,
0: it's just like our goal is to make like to try to release one once every couple months, and so, um, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, we, we've got two out there now, and the third one's coming up on Friday.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Friday, which date? Because we know uh, today's the second. Let me consult yeah, your calendar. Yeah, you use the Ray La Puma let calendar. Me, that's actually the only accurate record keeper of time. That's age.
0: true. That's very true. It's going to be on the 7th.
1: <laughs> 7th I of think. June.
0: The 7th of... 7th, <clears throat> if it's the 7th of June, that's a while. <laughs> it's a while for <laughs> Oh, <now>. Oh, January. <laughs> yes. What month is this? Okay, wait.
1: Uh, I'm already in summertime. <laughs> it yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm detoxing. It's cold, and I'm just inside hibernating and drinking. That's just all I'm doing. <laughs> You won't see me till June. That's, That's my, it. I reemerged That's for it. my birthday. No. No, it's funny because I think my family and everyone, yeah, I think they're they're probably worried I'm, like, becoming a lush or something because my mom, what she does is she's like, hey, here's some money. Go buy yourself Christmas presents and, like, bring them, and those will be from me. Yeah. This year, I took it even another step. I was like, well, if it's already come to my house, I'm just going to, like, unpack it, and then I'm going to bring a wrapped Box. <laughs> just oh, gonna, I love like, it. You're already like enjoying it. And yeah, like, I'm like, well, here's the box. I'll unwrap it. like Oh, it's so great. So I'm like, thanks. <laughs> you got me this cocktail set for my piano bar, you know? And thanks. You got me these whiskey stones because I've been trying to like mech, you know, play around with making new drinks on the piano bar. Yep. And uh, so everyone's just like, okay, uh, what's uh, what well, Thanks. You got me these bottles of liquor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well uh, what's my what's my okay should we go check on him but also your piano bar is pretty incredible looking you've you've made that thing look pretty awesome yeah i need to like put a picture here on the video portion so people can see if you're on youtube i'll maybe i'll treat you and put a picture of it on there but yeah or you can go to my instagram mg mj Crispin. but yeah it's basically old family piano that couldn't hold a tune anymore and just uh decided to take all the strings out, build cabinets in it and speakers mm-hmm. and just kind of pimp out the it. whole thing. I love it. So it's a family heirloom, but it's transforming. It's, it's like, a, it's like a transformed family. It's like literally built in like 1950 something, you know, like in new York city. I can't remember what company it was. And, uh, yeah, it just couldn't hold a tune. they they, it will. pianos will do that if you leave them in front of a fireplace for 40 years. <laughs> they just suddenly, like a wood-burning stove, like uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the wood just... Uh, you just slowly cooking it yeah, for 50 years. My parents would have guys they'd hire to come out and try to tune it, and they would just, eventually they were just like, I'm not coming back to do this. Like, this will be ruined again next year. Like, your bow and everything, is. Yeah. the harp is warped and... So it's sad that it can't hold a tune anymore, but that's why I put the speakers in. If I really want to, I can play some like piano music, mm-hmm. so at mm-hmm. least there's still sound emanating from it. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep the spirit of the thing still alive. Oh, that spirit is alive, for sure. <laughs> and then I was able to make these Moscow Mules with my yeah. new Christmas gift cocktail set. So That's right. On the family heirloom piano. Yeah. It's impressive. And I think the you know, goal, if, it, if there is a drink less goal this year, it is like, hey, do it when I have people, company, you know, like just keep it chill, you know. Don't have yeah. to be that person who drinks alone. That's what depressed people do. Like <laughs> <laughs> just uh just have friends over every night. That's, it, just that's <laughs> it. I love that. You're like, hey, can you come over? You I feel come. weird if I do this alone. I'm trying to do a podcast. Do <laughs> you want to come over and record a podcast? I really need you to come over and record a podcast. I really need you. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Got someone tonight. Yeah, I can drink that. Now. That's it. No, um, you know, I think we always have to, I always have to watch my relationship with anything, food. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Just like, yeah, I just, uh, I just, you know, like to go ham, you know, just like I'm not a half, half measured person, you know, I, I, there, I hear that. I hear if that. There's a, a meal, a pizza that I could, should only have a few couple slices of, you know, I, why not eat half of it? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's or, there. the whole thing, you know? Yeah.
0: Why not? It's sitting there. I get it. Like I'm a, I'm a mess at. Uh, all you can eat buffets. I mean, I haven't done it since the <laughs> pandemic.
1: Are any of them still around now? I went to one like Chinese buffet and Oh it was, really? It was terrible food. I also had never been yeah. to this one before, so like post like but since, it was, since COVID has hit. Yeah, to a This was like I don't know, two, three months ago when everyone was filling out their safest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. just like I don't know why. I don't know if there's ever been a true quote unquote safe season, yeah. but yeah. At that time, I just remember being like, and I went by myself. That's the other thing; I never go to buffets usually ever. Mm-hmm. You know, if I am going to go, it's going to usually be with people. Yeah, but I was I was that sad of a person that day. I was like, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go to this freaking I'm buffet. <laughs> Hashtag pray for Micah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to go to the buffet. Just like four plates around me. Just like I'm here. I'm ready, and no one's here to judge me in my family. No, I'm God, just <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Have you ever been, do you go to things like that by yourself? Do you ever go to like a movie by yourself or? I have, I have.
0: Like, I mean, I've done, yeah, I've gone to movies by myself. I don't often do it. Like, I mean, the, one of the things that I remember, I went to a couple shows by myself and that's like something that I never do. I'm always with friends going to concerts. Right. And so there was one that I went to again, Beaumont club, RIP, now Char Bar. Love wow. it. Rest in peace. Um, but I went to go see Ratatat. so they're like you know just like a dance like a guitar dance rock band Mm -hmm. um and it was incredible like i i i I don't think i recognize a single person in there and so i was just you know hanging out and just like dancing my brains out and it was fun it was fun but it was like (laughs) i also did flaming lips by myself and that was one that was like man i wish someone else was here because it felt like a really big like birthday party but I had, I had fun, but I was just like, oh, man, oh, man. I want someone to, like, turn and be like, this is incredible. Right. I mean, I did it with all the strangers around me, but I'm like, it's, it's just not, it's not the same. Yo, man, I don't same. know you, yeah. but come here, I love Oh, you, my man. God. <laughs> He's in a ball.
1: Seriously, though, I feel like, yeah, people put stigmas on going to these things by yourself. But, you know, I, I could understand maybe a show and different things feeling, yeah, it's nice to have someone there, but. You know, I don't know why we don't just do things like go to see movies by ourselves more often. Yeah,
0: know? I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a whole mess of people who are like down with that, and that's they love it. And I, you know, it's one of those things where I should probably just make it. A, this is not a New Year's resolution. <laughs> this is not
1: a New Year's resolution. This is just like a, a thought that. Could, just a
0: thought that's coming up. But yeah. It's like,
1: yeah. I mean, it's good to like,
0: you know, go Treat and yourself. do things by yourself.
1: Yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was doing that day with the buffet. I was just like, you know what? There's no one here. Mm -hmm. I feel like eating a bunch of Chinese food. I'm just going to treat myself. Why not? But it still felt weird when I sat down. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all these people yeah. are going to stare at me while I just sit at a buffet by myself. Oh, uh,
0: <laughs> I love it. Do you feel like people were staring at you?
1: You know, I just have to tell myself. Of course, with my anxiety, everyone's staring at me. Everyone's judging me. You know, that's just how life is. My animals yeah. are always judging me. That's oh, they are. That's why they're they a sponsor. I felt <laughs> whenever I came in. <laughs> oh, they were judging yeah. me hard. Bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rayleigh has to get a good sniff of your crotch and poops has got to attack your shoes. Once you're, once you're there, then... Your family. They don't judge anymore, but yeah, your family, bro. Yeah, welcome. Are you still waiting for that? Is that why they're judging you? Yeah. Rayla still hasn't sniffed <laughs> my crotch and Booba <laughs> still hasn't attacked my shoes. No, they do. They do that every day. They do that while I sleep. You know, like, dude, let me just attack his balls real quick. Just, so just like real quick, just, just whop roll over roll the head. Yeah. While, so I sleep alone now. I, I love my pets, but I'm like, all right. I say goodnight to them out here. I put them to bed. And I shut my door before Pumbaa tries to run in because he always is like, Oh, human's going to bed. Let's try to bolt into his door because then he hides under my bed. And then he, and I've like been like, Okay, that's fine. He can like sleep somewhere in here. And then yeah. three in the morning, four in the morning, you know, he's popping he up. He's like, He's attacking my feet. Like, now's the time. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Get off the bed. <laughs>
0: Uh, that I mean, that's a, good on you, because we, we definitely have two little terriers, and we're in a queen-size bed, and they are always all up on the bed with us while we sleep, and it, <laughs> it can be very annoying. Like, one of the habits, Socks, like, he's like a little white fluffy dog that we've got. Oh, about like 3 a.m., almost every night, he will just decide to come up and... Sit on one of our pillows and he will lay across it so he is taking up the vast (laughs) majority of whatever pillow he decided to sleep on. And it is so annoying. (laughs) It is so annoying. (laughs) There are plenty nights where I wake up and I just like try to just throw him off or get him onto Sarah's pillow or something so I'm not having to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. But I like your style. Uh, Pets, not on beds is probably a wise move.
1: Yeah, I like... Of course, love them and want them to feel like they're my equal, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're just not. They don't get my bed. (laughs) They They, they can get my bed. You can be my true equal, but no, you're not. There's always got to be that one separation. That one, like I'll still let in my bed and we'll cuddle for a minute, but when it's bedtime, okay, separation.
0: I mean, I will say, I mean, we do have one dog that has separation anxiety, Mm. and one of the things they told us in order to break it, and it's like, oh god, we're not going to be able to do this, is. They said to make sure that you do not actually show affection. Don't let them sit on the same things you sit on. Lay on the things that you lay on. Um, and then only show them affection, like pet them, when they do like a trick or something. Or they do something that you want them to do. And then you can do like was this Hitler? pets. Did and I'm like, like, what? Yeah, because Sarah's like, oh my God, then why would was we have this a, a pet? this a sociopath? Yeah, like, I know. Only love I know. your pets
1: when they do circles through this loop, oh this flaming God. loop fire. Yeah, that's thing. It, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> all right now you get affection now you
0: get affection yeah but it it feels it feels weird we're not we're not gonna do it
1: that's funny because i literally yeah. just saw tiktok about this today so this proves my theory about we're in a simulation you know or like we bring up things and it comes up later in that's conversation it. or that's you see it. an ad and suddenly or you say something and you see an ad later yep it's not that we're actually the simulation just marketing's really good right now it's, <laughs> it's, real, it's really it's real top notch really yeah. figured out but it literally was talking about gone. tiktok was like yeah, what happens is we, like, I do this, like, goodbye, Rayla, I love you, watch after Pumbaa, you guys take care of the house. Like, I have a whole speech for them as I'm, like, going out the door on, like, a three-day, like, little quick trip somewhere, and, and like, yeah, I come back, and the house is, like, looks like my dog's hair has exploded. <laughs> like, Aww. like my, my animal, did someone shave you, Rayla? No, she just has separation anxiety and just decided to explode hair all over the place. Aww.
0: That's, so i now
1: yeah. you have to just make it look like you're making a trip to the store. Like, hey, I'll see you guys in a little bit. You know, and just kind of you do not even Be say gone that, for like, three days as minimal, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, you basically just make it look as casual as possible. I mean, you know, you can't really get away from it 100. percent You're going to take your bags yeah. and yeah. this. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was the calendar bring it up, but I, somehow my parents my, or my pets have gotten a lot of airtime today. So they have, <laughs> they, they have yours have. too. So we're thinking about them. New Year's Eve, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. New Year's resolution just. Consumed with life and pets, you know. Ah, uh, pets, <laughs> just pets. <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> Let's just. I think we could just, just shut this podcast down. Okay, bye. I don't think I have to talk about anything ever again. Just, nope, that's just it. Rayla and Pooba. If you have a dog or a cat. Okay, one last dog thing. This hmm. is, this actually reminds me. Yeah, Jim gafkin thing where he like, has all these horse jokes and he like does it for ten minutes. And he's like, "You're probably wondering if I'm still going to keep making horse jokes." And then he like tries to go on. And then he comes right back to horse jokes. <laughs> just Classic. But one last thing about uh, um, pets was uh, – oh, never mind the mindset so slipped away. So oh, just, no! Just cut that out. Yeah, just one last, I can't remember what I was. Gonna, oh, I remember what it was. So I, I can't remember who it was. was telling me their friend that they work with is like – I can't remember which part of Asia. I don't know if they were from China or whatever, but they were just – like, what's the biggest thing, like, weirdest, like – cultural difference you've experienced living in the u.s they're like how many people have animals living in their house and like they were just like ew gross like yeah like it's kind of an absurd thing when you think about it. we just like let these creatures like and have the same space it us. like i clean my cat shit in the corner every day in a litter box you know yeah and just like yeah in hindsight like i guess i grew up on a farm you know i got used to Oh, yeah. What was it? I saw, like, a TikTok video
0: where <laughs> someone – it was some video where they really bonded with a horse and had the horse, like, regularly coming into the house <laughs> with them.
1: So, like, yeah. Like, yeah, it just takes a special it. kind I of, like yeah, yeah. like, yeah, culture. Like, yeah. And so, we brought our sheep inside and our cows when it was really cold, you know. So, that's just another food for thought. Other people in the world are judging us because – they're just like normal people, no. probably in the world. They're like, "Hey, humans live inside. Our pets live outdoors." Okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that this is feeding into your anxiety. It's like, oh, another thing for people to judge me. Yeah, another <laughs> thing. Yeah, like, oh, I got. Do I have a dog and cat living inside? I don't know. I'm second guessing everything in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love them, especially cold days like this. I'm like, gotta keep them alive. Okay, well, how much can I just keep blowing off the time here? We'll talk about my pets now. Mm-hmm. Nick, let's jump into your life you and oh, Sarah
0: please
1: yeah so you're part of the open table and we started this anti-racism cohort and i'm just curious like cuz you know i'm since i'm such a bad participant in the cohort these days being <laughs> so far removed year in and year out you know at this point month in month out um like how do you feel like that's going do you feel like we're going to like do more trainings like basically what we do in the cohort is we got this grant uh, you want to share a little bit about the background of it?
0: Just- yeah, I, sure. I mean, we, you said it, we got a grant. Uh, we, we then put a call out to people to see if they wanted to join this anti-racism training cohort, got like close to 50 applicants. And then we narr- we accepted 20 and now we're a cohort of like, maybe I think like 18. We've only lost like a couple of folks, I think over the years. Um, And we meet monthly. To kind of go over best practices for trainings, like what folks have been trying, and then we'll do like racial identity caucusing and and um, or just ask basic questions of one another to see like how like what are some things that we're just kind of like thinking about, struggling with, uh, whatever. So it's essentially like we're relationship building. Um, mm-hmm. It's like multiracial relationship building, uh, but in the context on in the context of this like anti-racism cohort, and then we also offer trainings so yeah i mean i i'm hoping this next year yeah i I think we'll have more trainings i'm actually really excited about this upcoming year because we've we've we're actually able to hire someone to work part-time as like the program manager of the cohort so i will be able to like and that program manager will be the person who kind of supervises. We have an AmeriCorps VISTA that helps, like, oversee the administration of the thing. And so that that means I get to, like, uh, take a step back and just be a steering committee person um, within our cohort because we've got, you know, cohort of 18, steering committee of, like, six, and then we've got Micah Chrisman plus five other people as part of our <laughs> curriculum team. And we've got the curriculum, um, and so we're we're just kind of working out how to, you know, Um, train our trainers in, you know, the next couple modules. And we did receive a grant. We had to say no, but we're hoping to reapply again this year um, where we could then like engage in more deep training to uh, enable us to do more so that every single person in the cohort can do consulting. Because right now I I know for a fact that like not everybody in our cohort feels like they can do just like long-term consulting um, through an anti-racism lens at different with the different organizations that are asking for it so that's some of the stuff that's like coming up so i i'm I'm hopeful for the this next year and like the the kind of the next chapter of anti-racism training stuff so yeah
1: yeah like i feel like i was really involved and then was doing the curriculum stuff and then just the pandemic and truth is like just so much as life has just happened i mean for all of us during the pandemic and I still did some trainings here and there, but just, you know, wasn't able to be as involved with the curriculum committee and, but I feel like that was still some of the most transformative time in the cohort talking yeah. about internalized racial superiority, internalized racial inferiority and just that whole socialization process and just how we basically are told like, hey, we're the shit. That's <laughs> white people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. everybody else should give us their shit and yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the crass way to sum up. <laughs> that, yeah. That, yeah. That it's like we,
0: yeah. Cause it's, it's an excellent, uh, wake up call being in a group like this to be like, Oh damn. All right. So I guess, <laughs> uh, everything that I have grown up with is like cultural norms and that kind of thing. Like that gets universalized out. Um, and everybody's is just expected to assimilate into it. And that is like right. so unbelievably damaging. I mean, that's just. One aspect of it but it's just like oh shoot like we take this culture uh this white supremacy culture say that it's like okay this is the way you need to be and then everybody that falls outside of it like good luck getting your resources met and while while that's happening everybody's like well i don't understand why they can't just do that thing and why they can't succeed like i'm succeeding or something and it's like there's just like a lack of i don't know i mean i don't know what it is but there's there's like a Something's going on. (laughs) I I don't know. It's like maybe it's just uh, denial. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's 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 a power. Socialization is very powerful, and so it's it's important to to figure out how to like name these things so that we can break those socialization cycles because that that's what keeps it going.
1: I mean, we're seeing it even with the backlash against critical race theory and just people just being like we don't want these things being taught in schools and all this stuff. And it's just, I don't know. On the one hand, you can look at those things as signifiers of, oh, this this is actually being spoken of. So it means that at least we're making some kind of difference from a h- greater historical sense. Like if it wasn't being argued about yeah. <laughs> at the power levels, then yeah. we would be like, okay. But we can kind of look at those things as like a signifier of, okay, we're making social change and progression because we're, at least having people who are vehemently trying to destroy it or or cut it. Um, yeah, people aren't ignoring it anymore. Right, exactly. And so, what do you feel like? Like, well, let's take a step back. Like, what what do you feel like got you kind of started? Because even like in your bio, we were reading, and I, you know that was like one of the first times I feel like I really reconnected to you before I even started going to the open table. Was going to one of your nonviolent like. Uh, what was it? Um yeah, nonviolent communication training, I think it was. It was yeah. and we it, it was part of an anti racism series that Jacob as well was doing. And I was like, What well, I was like, Nick, what the heck? You're here? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was uh-huh. like Nick's doing trainings on like anti racism stuff. And I was like, This is cool, you know. Yeah. So but yeah, you know, I don't know. Kind of what 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 I honestly don't know that gap between Blue Springs game time (laughs) to meeting you post college post all that and like
0: yeah so it's like I mean I don't know everything was kind of everything's been kind of slow going like the seismic shifts that happened was you know I mean I grew up in a fundamentalist Baptist church in Blue Springs at that time it was called Woods Chapel Baptist Church now it's called like oh what's it called Crossway or something it's on Woods Chapel Road like right by the Sonic that's there and um, so I, I. you know, as I got into college and stuff, I found myself at like a non-denominational church. And then I was doing punk rock stuff at that time. Hadn't really thought about anything, but it was just like, I wanted to go where things were like cooler than, than, than what I had experienced like growing up. I wanted to go where the production was, was happening. Mm-hmm. And they were doing like cool songs and that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, I, uh, after game time, I worked for youth front, which is another non-denominational, like, you know, uh, uh, non denominational youth organization thing, mm-hmm. Christian youth organization thing. So I, I worked at their summer camps and that kind of thing. While I was there, I I, I uh, heard uh, a sermon by a dude named Shane Claiborne uh, in like, I don't know, like 2005, 2006, and couldn't get that thing out of my head because uh, this guy was talking about living a community, doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, talking about solidarity with the poor and just caring about justice issues. And it really spoke to me. And so, uh, you know, took a pretty formational trip, um, abroad and then came back. And the day I came back, there was like an email in my inbox, uh, saying, Hey, come check out this new Catholic worker house in town called Sheriff So, um, so I, I, you know, went there, they gave me cookies and a book to Cherith Brooke Catholic Worker. They gave me cookies and a
1: book and I moved in and lived there for five years.
0: Uh and you also lived there after I was gone, which I is incredible. Yeah. Our pastors keep crossing, Mike.
1: I know. It literally was like they were like, Do you know Nick? I was like, Nick who? They're like Nick Pickrow? I was like, Oh yeah, Nick Pick <laughs> like, Yeah, that's it. But who doesn't know Nick Pick, yeah. I mean, at this point in it's, Kansas City, you're just
0: That's it. That's it. When you when you live here and you're in a band and doing <laughs> I mean, it's like really, it's like people in the Christian scene know me, but people outside of that probably have no idea why. I'm, but it's like doing youth front stuff, right? Like, that's like doing all these things that are like. Commercials, you commercials. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get yeah. into that. You're yeah. like, no, it's fine. I mean, we can, but that's like well after the fact. <laughs> you're,
1: you're also an actor too. Yeah. That's also yeah. I didn't mention that in the bio, but <laughs> yeah. But it's like so so at
0: at Cherith Brook, we started to deal with issues of like war and peace and Mm. poverty and these systemic issues. And that's when I woke up to like the social elements of the gospel. It's like, no. Okay. So Jesus had very specific things to say about economics, politics, social order, those kinds of things. And that was just like a new thing for me. I'd never had to wrestle with any of that. So the first year at Cherith Brook was hard because of all that kind of shifting. But the interesting thing is while I was living at Cherith Brook, there wasn't any, I don't think I had any wake up calls when it came to racism. It wasn't until, um, we had a. Uh, it was actually the year that I left, so like 2013, uh, the year that I left Cherith Brook, that there was a Faith and Resistance retreat where a bunch of Catholic Worker houses would get together. This this one was at in St. Louis, and mm. uh, it was right after like the Ferguson stuff was going on, and the Catholic workers usually what would happen at these Faith and Resistance retreats, as you know, is we would go to support some houses' peace and justice work, and a bunch of us would get arrested. So that was basically like part of the course. This particular one, they decided to do actions on ourselves to reflect on why in the world it was that the Catholic worker movement has been so white since Mm. it's, since the beginning. And it's not that it's, uh, just a homogenous group. It's not, there's definitely, it's definitely, these are definitely multiracial communities, but the, the power dynamics are usually that the workers are white and the folks who are guests are not And so why why has that been the case since, like, the 30s, largely? Um, why has that been at least more the norm than not? Because there, there's definitely examples, and uh, a dude named Lincoln Rice writes beautifully about it, um, about some of the instances where that was not the case. But, uh, yeah, that's just largely been the case. So that's when I probably first woke up to it, and it was a crossroads anti-racism um uh, tr- training and organizing. I'm forgetting the whole is crossroads, anti-racism trainings and organizing and trainings. I'm forgetting what it is. It's like, there's something and something it's organizing and trainings or trainings and organizing, whatever it is. <sighs> but they were the ones who ran that one. And it was an action on ourselves. And some Catholic workers were mad that like there wasn't an arrestable action, but it was more like a reflective thing. So that's kind of actually what got me going on the journey. Cause I lived my full five years at Cherith Brook completely unaware of white saviorism, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> all that sure. stuff. It's like, ah, oh, bummer, <laughs> you know, but you know, we that's learned, how it is we learned all the yeah. white folks at some point yeah. with her. <laughs> It's like, Yeah. Oh. So that's kind of where it started was, was then, and it just kind of kept going from there. So 2013 was like kind of my, my own kind of wake up call. And then, you know, with open table and that kind of thing, doing a, a couple more trainings and that, and all that, and then the open table doing a series on racism and, Everything just kinda of kept leading that way. And then when Surge formed in Kansas City. Right. Being involved in that a little bit, that that was tremendously helpful and was a super transformative time too.
1: Showing yeah. up for racial justice in case anyone's That's it. Wondering about who who yeah, Surge not is. The, I remember not being, the power drink. <laughs> yeah, not the power drink. Surge. Uh yeah, and I mean honestly I had a, you know, it was similar conversations when I was at Cherith Brook and that was, you know, probably them having several years of trying to work through some of the same issues of and, you know, the argument is that, well, most white folks are the people who have the ability to have downward mobility or they tend to be the ones who have some kind of wealth to give up to make them more equitable or show solidarity with people. And, like you know, I think there could be critiques from all sides of it. I think the beautiful thing about like what we experience at Cherith Brook is being able to live in community with folks who... We didn't just soup kitchen serve them. You know, we really built relationships with folks on the streets and shared life with them. And you could go through, I'm sure, a thousand memories here, just Mm -hmm. all the experiences you had. I mean, you guys were the ones who started all the work. I had to, to keep up with the chickens, the, the 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 bees, the the urban farm that is Cherith Brook. That's right down the street from where I live now. Literally, what became the the little urban hub <laughs> that you guys, your 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 people created at that time.
0: I'm so sorry you had to keep that up. Yeah, like, I'm still traumatized from all the gardening that we did. It yeah. was just like with
1: everything that we did, plus
0: like over three thousand square feet of gardening, plus keeping up with chickens, plus keeping up with bees, plus tending to the the fruit trees that were there. It was just like it was.
1: Whew. I mean, when you had ten people there, you yeah, know, it and makes then, sense. Yeah, you know, it was just yeah. me and a hand couple people, but uh-huh. <laughs> it was a whole different ballgame. Yeah. But you know, you guys were the ones. You did you go out there and jackhammer that? <laughs> Literally, we did. The, they had to jackhammer a whole pavement uh-huh. driveway just to be able to have ground for the chickens. <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, we got rid of a whole lot of our
1: driveway in order to
0: have chickens. Mm. Oh,
1: that's amazing. Um, do you want a refresher? I can just take a little break, make something. Sure.
0: Brief intermission.
1: Over and over. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We uh, had we're to go freshen up our beverages mm. just for a quick. At a, I have to tighten up my mustache a little bit.
0: Yeah. I saw that Kevin Murphy
1: in your bathroom. <laughs> I saw Kevin.
0: that Kevin Murphy product in your bathroom. Y- you know. I saw that Easy Rider.
1: Uh, he's, you got to just do the things that help you make just a little bit better. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. give you a little bit of an edge. So I decided yeah. to grow out a mustache. And so I don't even look mm-hmm. like my logo anymore for the show. You know, it's just like so drastically different. You know, So different. <laughs> no, that's true. You don't have the big old bushy beard. right? Like a short beard, rocking a short beard, got my... Little kind of started handlebar mustache. Um, but now my biggest thing I'm trying to do is I always did this with the beard. The compulsion to just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. rub my beard. Here I'll make some sounds in the microwave. Some ASMR. ASMR. Beard. Beard scratching. Listen to the beard. <laughs> <laughs> now I just find myself constantly fidgeting and, and messing with my mustache and curling it up. So that's the sound. That's this perfect. This makes this sound. Do you hear it? Over my breathing heavily, (laughs) can you hear the mustache? (laughs) Oh man, this is what I do, man. This is we just have fun on this show. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Don't don't want you to think anything else. (laughs) That's it.
0: That's perfect.
1: But okay, so we were just talking about Cherith Brook. We're talking about the conversation white folks have with in the Catholic Worker community. And that kind of started your journey of wanting to start doing anti-racist stuff, and I think you were like many of us, I think in this area, or you know, who grew up in the evangelical Christian background, trying to reconcile our like religiosity, kind of bibliolatry past um, with how we really should be addressing like the principalities or the powers that be, the the works of darkness in the world, and. From what I understand, that's kind of what your dream was behind The Open Table, was to basically start a church community that was living and moving, kind of like a Catholic worker, that would be kind of multi-dimensional, multi-faceted, like income levels, people, and just share a meal. Yep. And yeah, so how's that journey been? How long have you been doing this now at The Open Table? (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) How long are you? We won't get to how old you are. Seven years. Seven years. Holy smokes.
0: Yeah. Almost seven and a half. Uh, actually, no, it is seven and a half now. So it'll be eight in May. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. So the, the open table, there was a small group of us that met together to like figure out what in the world it was that we were going to do. And what's funny is like we ended up doing something that's essentially ripping off a, a couple key tenants that, that are or just a couple key things that the, the Catholic worker would always do. So we we always make sure there's like a meal. So all the houses of hospitality in the Catholic worker movement usually involves some sort of food and sitting around a table together. So there's that piece that that's been true of the open table, not since the pandemic, <laughs> but like that's like normally the thing is like the meal is our kind of focal point. And then the other piece that Catholic worker would do is called like a clarification of thought or a round table discussion. And, uh, Peter Morin, one of the co-founders of the Catholic Worker Movement, would always say it's it's the clarification of thought. It, it exists to bring the worker to the scholar and the scholar to the worker. So that mm-hmm. way you get this exchange of ideas and action. So you kind of get the academic folks out of academia to, to figure out how that actually applies in real world situations. And then you get the real world people who are living their lives, like taking in some of this information um, and seeing how it affects their daily life. So it, it's so that's essentially the, the essence of what the, the open table is for sure. But it's, you know, obviously our, our focus has changed over the years because now we're, I mean, we're a community that's primarily trying to focus on liberation and healing, Mm -hmm. um, for the Kansas city community. Um, and that was not intent. That was not the original intent. Um, not that it wasn't, it was just more broad. And so I feel like, you know, over the past couple of years, we've just gotten increasingly more honed in on, on what it is we want to do. Even though if you're showing up at a gathering, you may not, you may not be able to tell the difference, but some of the stuff that we're trying to do behind the scenes and the, the way that we're organizing as a, a leadership team and that kind of thing, it looks different than what a lot of churches look like. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Cause I, I wasn't, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for the open table, I don't know if I'd be going to church. Right. Yeah.
1: Yep, and we'll just talk about the elephant in the room. I've been the worst open table churchgoer <laughs> over the last two which is, years. Which is it's, why we pray for you. This is why the everyone, even my, my non-churchy church, <laughs> is <laughs> praying for me. That's it. I'll tell you the truth, man. Um, I and mean, this is not, uh, yeah, like it's been a community that I needed um, through my whole like just kind of young adult life here these last um, seven years, like you said, that and Cherith Brooke and a lot of the friends and people in the community here in Kansas City have been really part of like my faith deconstruction, reconstruction journey. Um, but I started therapy about a year and a half ago, I'm going to see a counselor. This is kind of right after the George Floyd protests and stuff. And yep. The pandemic, everything just taking a toll on everyone's mental health. And so I started seeing somebody just to kind of work through my issues and kind of delve into past stuff, current stuff, whatever. And I realize uh, in my tendency for my white saverism is uh, and being a two on the Enneagram, you -hmm, know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things. You're a a
0: great host, Uh, by the
1: way. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, this is what twos do. We just (laughs) let me just... (laughs) feed you and brush you and, and just <laughs> massage your feet real quick <laughs>
0: you I like okay so I don't know when the brushing is happening <laughs> yeah.
1: or the foot massage but. oh it's already happening it's, <laughs> it's already, you don't even know it but I'm already behind you just uh-huh. um, but I have this and I hate I'm sorry I'm really bastardizing the Enneagram by just being like oh I'm such a two thing you know to do but for those who know what a two is, it's it's uh, the the when they're in an healthy unhealthy state, they tend to want to find their thrive and meaning from pleasing others by just trying to serve people to the point where they ignore their own personal pain and their own personal um, self development that needs to happen, and so doing that for years in the church and the evangelical scene was really good at like just letting the ego grow and thrive and think I'm like a really good person, but really was really toxic to a lot of people um, who were outside of that church community who didn't have that same worldview. And so I've had a lot of issues trying to break away from the people pleasing aspect of church community. And so um, honestly, I think for me, I didn't realize I needed the break, but I think at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when we were just doing virtual stuff. Um, and then there was so much Zoom fatigue, I think. The thing I've been wrestling with the most over the last year and a half since I started therapy and stuff is just like, how do I return to those kind of communities <laughs> in a way that isn't trying to do the people-pleasing, kind mm-hmm. of the way I used to gauge church, where um, I just don't want to find myself in those same old habits. Because like, I understand that the calling I'm in now is like, Part of my truth, like it's, you know, the anti-racism work and everything that we do is so critical to what I think needs to change in the world. Um, but I just, truthfully, have like had a hard time just getting back on to either coming in person or mm-hmm. getting on. And then, truthfully, that was, I think, my biggest struggle with Jareth Brooke. And like everything's cool with us and I want to like have Eric and people on and like I still volunteer some, but living in a community where we were also serving folks who are disenfranchised and marginalized and as a white male trying to do good in the community but having to re kind of assess my 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 motives and my values and um and as much as like i love chairbrook in the community just like you know my tendency to want to be in positions where I'm trying to please the pastoral (laughs) Christian community figures um, in order to try and find my own identity. And so that's not to like say that that this is strictly relational to my journey and how I'm trying to re-engage the world in a more healthy to Enneagram space where like I can just come be my full self. And it's not that I wasn't my full self all these years going to – open table or, you know, living and working at Cherith Brook for a couple of years. It's more about I'm 32 years old, deconstructed my faith, and just trying to find myself. And what are my motivations behind doing anti-racism work and trying to um, live simply and, and do the minimalistic lifestyle and, and um, what's really true to who Micah is. And yeah. I think that was a hard part. And then there was... Obviously, I have to go back to my family, my farm and, and helping, you know, do that. And there was just a lot of life change. So I have to leave the community for that reason. Um, But, you know, it's been a, been a wild worldwide the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> just a lot yeah. of internal dissecting and uh-huh. healing, I think, from mm-hmm. truthfully, yeah, just the toxicity of, you know, people pleasing culture.
0: Yep. Yep. I feel that. I feel that.
1: You feel that people-pleasing culture, time. toxicity? Yeah. I mean, I'm am I'm
0: a seven. I'm an extrovert. I don't want conflict. And so, like, people-pleasing is, like, in my blood. <laughs> Just, but it's like, I mean, for real, though, like, I mean, what you're doing is incredible stuff. Um, like, you know, the the kind of Christianity that we grew up in, like, really puts authoritative figures on a pedestal. Um, right. So it's like everybody's looking up to that pastor. I know the, the church that I went to growing up. Basically, if you ever disagreed with the pastor, his response to you is like, well, you're probably not a Christian. You're probably going to hell. Like I I had conversations with this person when I joined Cherith Brook and he started off by saying like, oh, you're one of our success stories. (laughs) And then then, uh, we got into a little bit of how Cherith Brook works and the fact that we don't like aren't we aren't like preaching at people. Mm -hmm. And he we left that conversation. I mean, we started talking about like, you know, the sinner's prayer and the Roman road and all these (laughs) kinds of things. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and because we weren't doing like altar calls, um, he was convinced that I was like no longer a Christian, which is, this is nuts. And so it's like, okay, I realize that this is more about, um, I mean, not to knock it. I mean, there, you know, there, there are times in our lives where we need things to be black and white because everything else is just too crazy. And mm. and, and I get that. But, but at the same time, I, I like, I want to commend you because like, in order to do the work you're kind of doing that that you're doing is it's, um, it requires you to, to sit in the gray area. Cause you're like taking internal stock and trying to figure out like, okay, so what are my values? Um, how do I operate from those values? So like, I mean, you're, you're kind of exploring like in organizing terms, you're exploring your own self-interest. Mm-hmm. And then in just like more spiritual terms, like you're you're trying to sit with and be with like who you actually are and operating from that place rather than trying to take on everybody else's stuff. Cause when we do that, it sends us all into like an existential tailspin.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which right.
0: isn't good. It's not fun. It is not fun. It's really hard. But the, I mean, the cool thing is like, I don't know, like one of the things I think about I just graduated from a spiritual direction program called Soul Journers. Oh, soldier, yeah. soldier, Soul-j- uh, hanging out with a bunch of radical nuns. And, I was really and hoping it was spelled soldier, like soldier, like Soulja like oh, soldier boy, like so like boy. <laughs> like boy. That's, so that's how, for some reason, that's how. No, it's not, it's, that it's not that good. It's not that Yeah, yeah. God, that'd be great. I'll, I'll, I'll make that uh, recommendation for but, you. Souljourners Yeah, game. I like it. But like one of the things that we we talked about. I mean, we were learning about some of the different like you know mystics over the years, some of the Christian mystics from over the years, and one of them. Teresa Avila, I'm paraphrasing here, but one of the things that, that, that she had said was that we can only know God as much as we know ourselves, and we can only know ourselves as much as we know God. So like those things are intertwined. Um, and so it's important for us to do this kind of work where we're getting to know ourselves and understanding our values, because that's like, when we do that, that we're tapping into the, the divine spark that animates all of us um, that, that divine spark that, that, uh, it's, I don't know, it's like that stardust of God. That's like, oh, in I us. Love that. yeah. and so w- whenever we do this stuff, like that's, that's kind of what we're operating out of. And that, that's going to be our sweet spot. Um, and ideally though, um, what I'd like to see, um, I don't know if this got cut off or not, but <laughs> in our technical difficulties, but like you had talked about how, like, you know, and I'm, I'm in the same way where I just wish I could just be this like confident person. It's like, I know my stuff. (laughs) And sometimes like, I mean, we can also, I mean, there are people who are assholes in the world that like, that's how they operate. Right. And they've been able to get by on that. But I also see like, there's a limitation there because I don't feel like that's a posture of learning. And so the tricky piece for us is like, how can we live in the gray where we're kind of, um, discovering who we are living from that place. Yes. And, and knowing that whenever we're like living from that deep, deep place of our, our values, that's also where God and us are kind of like deeply intertwined. Um, but also being willing to uh, learn, just understanding that we've all got blind spots. So I feel Absolutely. like that's a sweet spot, but it doesn't make it any easier. But, it, but that requires us like
1: going to, you know, Chinese buffets by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I am confident in myself. I and I like give myself a pep talk before I go into the buffet. You can do this, Micah. No one's judgment is considered but your own. Uh, How would you consume at this buffet is only for your judgment. That's it. That's
0: it. But for real though, I mean, it's like I mean, because I think of like you know your asshole comment. We're just like "Uh, I know it. Yeah. It's like I mean, we we um. I lost it. It's fine.
1: Yeah. No, but I think what you were saying earlier too—that just. Yeah, we we idealize those people, we see them in movies, yeah. and we think like they've just got their shit together, but then what really happens is those people just decide who they're gonna be in their like early twenties and they're like, Okay, I'm never gonna change. Like, yeah, they quote unquote know themselves, but they stay fixed, affixed, and then they're just like, Well, you just need to bend your life around who I am. And um yeah. I think that's the toxicity of Yeah. Being rigid like that. Yeah. Uh, And and honestly,
0: I mean, I mean the way that I think it goes towards religion, I mean, it's the same thing with anything that we do, even anti-racism. There can be kind of like a toxic, toxic religiosity to anti-racism stuff as well. And some of that's understandable. Like I remember reading in like a, it was a boundaries book by cloud and Townsend. And I remember one of my favorite things that I will never forget from that book is they talk about how we under, whenever we undergo like a worldview shift or some sort of major change, Mm -hmm. inevitably we enter, enter into what they call the obnoxious period where we kind of become like those zealots. I mean, like, so it's like, you know, I became a Christian. I wanted to get my parents saved. Like that didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. I had a conversation with them; did not go well. (laughs) Like they're fine, you know? So, uh, so like I just went gung ho and really what it was is I was trying to figure out, I was projecting all sorts of stuff because I was trying to figure out my own like boundaries for this foundation that I was building my life on. And so like into deconstruction and it's like that foundation's gone. And so now I'm going to enter into this new obnoxious phase where I'm trying to figure out this new thing that I'm going to build my life on again, Mm. uh, that will work for this next phase of my life. And so that's kind of what we go through. And if we don't, I mean, if we don't have humility, if we're not getting in touch with ourselves, like that's going to be so freaking hard to do because we will enter into that tailspin. So it's like with anti-racism stuff, there's all sorts of folks who I think we end up projecting out because we just want to be right. And so we might pick one or two like black authors that we're just going to like go gung-ho over. Um, And then we'll like put ourselves up on this righteous pedestal because like we're one of the good ones. And then we'll just talk down to everybody else. And that's, that's not helpful. <laughs> and it's, and, and I feel like it's like an ego thing and, and not, not from this. And it could possibly be coming from a place of guilt and, and that's not going to sustain us for the long haul. So if we're committed to any of these things, like ultimately, and this is where it gets back, I think to the religion piece is like if, if our trajectory is to know all we can about God, like that's going to orient us in a certain way. If our goal in life is to continue to ask questions and view God as like mystery. And we want to like have more questions than answers by the end of this. Cause God is so big. Right. Um, then that's going to orient us in a different way. Similarly, like to anti-racism it's like, okay, if we, if we just acknowledge, we're never going to figure it all out, but we're committed to learning. That's a different orientation. Like, and if you do that with God, if you do that with anti-racism, do that with anything, you're going to become a different person than if you your end goal is to know it all. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Like it doesn't change the fact that you're going to keep learning and you're going to tr- try to continue to do better, be better, whatever, but it just changes it. And I think it's really important for us to know who we are as Absolutely. we engage in that path where it's like, it's the path that's like, I, I'm not ever going to know it all, but that's like, I'm on the journey. I'm committed. It's going to be lifelong and I'm committed.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Everything you've said just like super resonates with me. And I think Like, I know people who are still adamantly engaged in the quote-unquote, you know, um, I I hate to say, just even, I guess evangelical Christian worldview, and yet are very much anti-racist. And so it's like, their identity isn't about, hey, uh, it's just this, you know, very narrow worldview that I'm only just trying to, like, get people to heaven, uh, or, you know, stand out of hell, oh, and that includes gay people, or what, no, it's like, everyone's included, and their worldview is way more expansive and open and i don't know i I think for me i grew up in a pastoral home um and you know i had to have honest conversation with my parents and i love them that you know i've had them as pastors my whole life and now i need them to just be my parents like Mm -hmm. i know for all intents and purposes i am lost in your worldview and i'm not on the path that god christ would have me on And as much as I love them, and like you're saying, like, their good intentions behind that, like, I just need you to be my parents for now. Mm -hmm. And, like, that doesn't mean to say that they weren't my parents my whole life or that I haven't grown in a loving household, you know. But just that, you know, the fear that comes with that worldview, right, that's like, hey, you you know, I'm worried you're going to this eternal damnation, like. If I didn't, if my parents, you know, if they believe that and they re- didn't reach out to me, you know, I would be like, hey, you don't really love me. <laughs> yeah. So I can give them credit for that. But at the same time, um, for me, my being in a different place and not seeing hell as a literal place and not seeing at these that, hey, the, the we need to bring heaven to earth. We need to transform the shit that we're mucking around in here as humans. Um, and to do that, I think our healing has to be able to just see each other as who we are as sacred individual beings with that, like you're saying that, that divine spark that, Hey, whatever helps motivate you to do good in the world, we're all going to root each other on in our journey, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that means having grace and humility and coming to this work, realizing we're not going to be perfect. And so I'm not saying there aren't Christians who are like that, but when you have a worldview that is saying, no one else's worldview is true, but ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very humble, open-minded, like yeah. wanting to expand. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I think for me, um, yeah, that's why I have you here, Nick, to to because st- I'm, I'm, I'm you're my pastor, and I want you to <laughs> I want to people-please you. That's, that's, yeah, that's I good. said that that's earlier. Good. I'm like, yeah, we have it. Make sure that's recorded. I'm here to please you, Nick. I Micah, to... you
0: you you have been absolved.
1: <laughs> I've been absolved. Praise <laughs> be. Praise <laughs> be. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers
1: to absolution. Well, I told you I'd only keep you for an hour. Mm-hmm. I've roughly been there. Yeah, I think, um, before we go, can you just share one thing that's been on your heart that you're excited about this new year? Um, just something that doesn't have to be a new year's resolution, but just, you know, something that, um, hopefully is going to give you a spark of joy, uh, in pursuit of, um, Your journey.
0: Yeah. Two things. One is actually the stuff that we've just been talking about because I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I've been a people pleasing person my whole life. You know, I was, I was taught to, you know, not trust myself and to only trust the figures that were in positions of authority. And that really did a number on me because we can't experience God outside of our own body. So for, for all of us who are on some sort of spiritual path, be it Christian or otherwise, like it's important for us to recognize that God um, we only experience God in our bodies, So why in the world are we not trusting them? Mm. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, one of the things that, that brings me life and excitement is like, okay, how can I continue to explore that? And to really um, live from that, like uh, just to be in touch with my body and to listen to it, um, understanding that, you know, God is there. Yes. Um, and God cares about that. Like, I mean, we always, I know it kind of gets distorted, but you know, people talk about your body as a temple. And so it's like, don't you <laughs> dare get tattoos, <laughs> but it's like, I think there's something deeper to it, but it's just like, you know, God is there. We have that divine spark. And so how can we, uh, uh, you know, get in touch with that thing, knowing that, you know, we can't know God, uh, any more than we know ourselves and vice versa, that Teresa of Avila thing. And so, um, that's one thing that's bringing me that I'm hopeful for in the new year. I'm not going to call it a resolution because I don't want yep. people to call no me no resolutions <laughs> here, <laughs> no resolutions, no resolutions in this uh, household. But then outside, like the other thing that I'm just excited about is like, you know, we talked about game time earlier. I'm excited about being able to just like engage in more creative endeavors. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, especially with the pandemic, it, it's hit everybody differently and it's been hard to varying degrees for all sorts of folks or in, in, in different ways it's been difficult for folks. Um, and, and for me, you know this last year and a half was like very hard for the open table as we had to undergo like staffing changes realizing that oh shoot we're not on like a financial trajectory where we can actually have two full-time staff so we had to like we basically like halved our staff um mm-hmm. at, at the church and so that was difficult and you know it's figuring how to navigate that and get to a place of sustainability we're now there and so i would just love, love 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 to be at a place where i can just like focus on creative things uh, and to, like, not let that piece go. Because I, I can tend to just get bogged down and want to put the blinders up and just, like, go and take care of all the things that are causing me anxiety. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I just want anxiety gone. So, those
1: are, the, those are the two things. Wow. That's beautiful. I wish you well on this new year. And to all of our listeners that you may not, may you never make a resolution. Uh, just, you know, make an intention this year. <laughs> and, uh pursue it, you know, Nick, where can we find you online, both for personal, maybe the open table, um, uh, what, whatever you would like to share. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't do a lot on it <laughs> online. I actually, know, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, I I'm on it, but I don't, I don't post a ton, but, uh, you know, Nick pick pick on Facebook <laughs> or, pick pick. um, at Nick pick doesn't have a smartphone on Instagram, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I do have a smartphone is technically a lie. But whenever my that. Instagram was started, it was a couple of good friends of mine that started it back when I had a flip phone. And so they, if you look back at the earliest posts, um, chances are it was my friends posting it, not me. <laughs> and so it could have been a picture that I had that I sent to them from my flip phone being like, hey, can you post this? But by and large, it was just them posting random crap saying, (laughs) like pretending to be me because they had the password. Like they were the ones that did it.
1: (laughs) So, Nick's got the kind of friends where they'll take a blow up headshot of him and put it on beach towels (laughs) seven feet long. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Nick's a low key famous uh, beach famous, you know, with his image (laughs) across. I'm I'm beach towel famous. (laughs) Beach towel famous. I got to hopefully find a photo for that and put that in the video too. Yep um and then the open table they just the open table KC? yeah the open table com. Yeah. yeah cool yeah. I well, love you, Nick. Thanks for being here again. Yeah, say, Micah. Yeah, yeah. You're a good dude. You just you just rock those Chinese buffets. Hey, I'll, I'll join yeah, you I really one of these You know what? I'm just going to keep going by myself until uh, <laughs> I can do it and feel no internal judgment towards myself. <laughs> it's like, like, make it a, a personal cause. Just put on 400 pounds. <laughs> but, like, I did it, everybody. I went to That's Chinese right. buffets until right. I finally was able to do it without <laughs> any personal judgment. Just gained 400 pounds later. Oh, oh my
0: God. So good. All right, Micah, I'm praying for you.
1: Pray for Micah. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe on this channel and follow me on social media Pray for Micah Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. We'll see you next time.
0: You are now re entering the normal world.